This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Turning on my mic would probably be a good way to start this hour of the show, don't you think, Joe? I mean, I am a pro. I mean, this is... (laughs) I go into sheer panic, and I should not go into sheer panic when I see this, but this is what happens when we do the show over Zoom and we're not in the same room. Like, if you're in the same room, it's like, hey, moron, turn your volume up. But, like, here I'm looking at this, and I'm like, I see Tara. I'm like, she doesn't appear to be panicking. I'm looking at you. You're just chatting away. You have no talking. idea. I said the most brilliant things entering oh, the yeah, segment. Yeah. It was so entertaining. I mean, truly, it was award-winning. I would have been in the Sports Radio Hall of Fame if anybody had actually heard <laughs> right. the words that just came out of my mouth there. Joe Fortenbaugh, Amber Wilson with you here on Joe and Amber at Amber W Sports. That's how you find me. At Joe Fortenbaugh, that's how you find him. If you want more of that tomorrow morning. You get more Joe and Amber on your radio because we are hosting the morning show tomorrow morning as well. 6 a.m. Eastern. We get off here at 9 p.m. Eastern, roll right into work the next day. There's not even really a point like you and I are both right now doing this from our homes. Otherwise, there would be no point in going home. Yeah, there wouldn't. And by the way, being in Las Vegas, that means the show is 3 to 7 a.m. for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to come walking in with a cup of coffee the size of. I don't know. The entire Zoom screen. That's mm-hmm. what you're going to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, But you know what? You and I both used to do local morning radio. Like, we're morning radio at heart. That's where we started. So tomorrow will be a lot of, eh, 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 eh. like, a lot of the goofy circus noises and goofball stuff you get in morning radio. Maybe a little sports here and there. Maybe a couple of mimosas or Bloody Marys. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> no promises. I do love doing the morning show. So we will be doing that. You can listen to it on ESPN Radio. You can watch us as well on ESPNU and on ESPN2. I am going to be betting the Open Championship, which starts at, like, midnight. So I am going to be listening to about one-third of what you have to say while I'm staring at my bets on TV. Perfect. Uh, Sounds excellent. You sound about as professional as me just then when I forgot to turn on my mic (laughs) at the start of the segment. The real question is, am I going to show up to work tomorrow morning when I win the billion dollars? Because the Powerball has now hit $1 billion. It is the third time in history that it has hit that mark. And this is a game that has been going on since 1992. So a third chance to win $1 billion. I didn't win it the first two times. That's why I'm sitting here with you, Joe. But I feel pretty good about my chances here the third time around. I'm not allowed to play. I'm in Nevada. Believe it or not, if you're listening, you can come here and pretty much do whatever you want. Every single vice is on the table. Hell, it's encouraged. And yet when it comes to lottery tickets... You have to get in your car and drive to the California border down in Prim. Depending on where you are, maybe it's a half hour and there's a gas station right there. People are lined up getting their lottery tickets. Why is it always a major jackpot in the summer, by the way? 
It's like it right. doesn't feel. It's got to be. I mean, there's probably a great reason that I'm missing. I don't but know. But it feels it's like there's never a big jackpot in like February. Right. I mean, it's supposed to be by happenstance, but nobody has won this thing since April. So this thing just continues to grow and grow and grow. April. They made it. They made it harder. They changed the rules a few years ago. They made it harder to win the jackpot. Oh, did but they? They made it easier to win. They made it easier to win, but harder to win the jackpot. So, like, more people win, I guess, the lesser prizes or something. So there was some rules change to make it essentially that people win more often, but not the actual jackpot. Yeah, I'm sure whatever rules were changed, much like what we watch happen in the government on a day-to-day basis, it's going to benefit the consumer. I would have to imagine the consumers are the big winners in this. Just like Vegas, Vegas. everything there is for the They're introducing triple zero roulette out here. Of course. Like, like you're playing your numbers. You got 36 numbers on the board. Zero was already put out there to their advantage. Then they went double zero. Now these hucksters are coming and putting triple zeros out there. They're trying to get you at every turn in this town. Chumps. And they absolutely do. They've got a lot of my money over there in Las Vegas, but now so does the Powerball. And what's funny is the mega millions, by the way, has hit 720 million. And like, I didn't even bother to play the mega millions. I'm like 720. Me. What am I going to do with 720 mil? You know, I need a billion. That's what I need. And by the way, I didn't bother playing the Powerball until it hit 1 billion. Because for me, miss me with your 500 million. I need a billion Joe Fordenball is not getting out of bed for 500 million. Okay. Joe Fordenball does not get out of bed for 500 million. That's uh, Tara also just messaged us that she played both, but the other times that she only played Powerball when it was in this scenario. So a lot of people, it's funny how you will drive by the billboards that tell you 600 million, 700 million, 800 million. Then not all of enough. a sudden it, it ing- it's not enough. What am I going to do with that? What am I going to do with suckers. those? Those are for suckers. Absolutely. If you win a billion dollars, what's the first thing you're doing? A billion dollars? A billion, which ends up Quit- being... Which ends up being like you end up getting half of it if you take the lump sum, right? So let's sure. say you got 500 million bucks and then the government uh, takes half that. Whatever. You got a few. All right. So first thing, yeah, I'm taking the lump sum. So I'm already down a bunch and then I'm obviously paying my taxes because yeah. I don't want to go to jail. So that's going to be number two. So very. You probably walk away with like 300 million on a billion. That's fine. Right? Uh, right after that, I quit this job. There's no two weeks <laughs> notice. There's not even a goodbye. I don't even know if you'd be notified that I'd be leaving. It probably wouldn't be direct. We probably wouldn't talk again. Well, you'd and have that's nothing personal. Call my Everybody on the then. TV side, it'd be the same thing. I would hit one of the one of the Jimmy Pataro emails that goes out to everybody at the company. <laughs> I would hit reply all, and I would let everyone on that mailing list know I'm done. It's been great. You're all wonderful. There's no two weeks notice. I don't care. See ya. And then I would immediately hire a very, very savvy financial advisor. And I would make sure that money is set up so that I don't blow it all and end up jammed up like Latrell Sprewell or some of the guys out there that blew through all their cash that they made throughout their career. So it wouldn't be very fun. A lot of people would immediately go party. Nope. I'm taking the lump sum. I'm paying the taxes. I'm quitting this job unceremoniously. And then I am hiring a financial advisor. What are you doing? I like how you're just revealing here, while our bosses are probably listening, that unceremoniously would be a component of quitting this job. They're doing the same thing. All of them listening are doing the same thing. They just won't go on national radio and admit it. We're all quitting. We're all quitting. I am not. If I win the Powerball tonight, if I win $1 billion, I am still waking up at 4 a.m. and I am doing the morning show with you tomorrow. You know why? That is such a load of crap. You know why? why? Not just because I love ESPN if any of our bosses 
happen to be listening and boy do i love it here however the real reason why it's because you can't let anybody know joe that you won a billion bucks like that's first that's all types of dangerous you know the second i don't show up here and then the news says somebody in sarasota florida won the powerball it's like all right i think we know who that is right the jig is up and then I'm all types of in danger. People trying to rob me. I'm what am I driving the ticket up to Tallahassee to try to collect the money? What's the logistics there? Am I putting it into a safety deposit box? It seems like there's some kinks to work out. If I win a billion tonight, I'm rolling into work tomorrow like nothing happened. It's very smart. It's very smart. And I completely agree with you. I never said I was gonna tell everyone I won Powerball. I was just quitting unceremoniously. If I told you I had won Powerball, that would be quitting ceremoniously. I'm not letting any of you, you people, you barnacles you know people? about that. Now I'm not letting you people, people. Now that you're barnacle your way onto my golden people? ship. No way. The second thing I'm doing after I I'm don't- not even telling my wife. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not even telling her. I'm gone. She's, I am going okay, well, right to the all, islands. You ain't going to get very far if you don't have a prenup. I'm here to tell you as a, she can, as a family she can hire law the lawyers. Yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> she's got half of that. That is half hers, and I assure you she will figure it out right to quick. But <laughs> second of all, after I don't quit this job, the first thing I'm doing is getting a PJ. I'm getting on a private plane somewhere. I have never been on a private plane. It is a goal in mine in life oh, to no? ride on a private I know you have. You're very fancy, Joe Fortball. I've never I mean, been on a private jet. I was on one quick story coming back from Oakland, California. This was years ago. We were in Vegas for New Year's Eve. I was friends with someone whose older brother was, was quite well-to-do. They're big Giants fans. So we took a private jet up to Oakland to see the Giants play the Raiders on New Year's Eve and then fly back so we could catch New Year's Eve in Las Vegas. That's so cool. The group, well... Hear me out. The okay. group was perhaps a bit too intoxicated. Oh, no. And on the return flight, uh, a, a close to a fight broke out because one of the individuals was of the impression that we had over, the pilots had overshot Vegas. He was looking at the window. It was Phoenix. He knew it was Phoenix. Oh, wow. The pilots were taking us to Mexico. We had to get them to land the plane. And he started freaking out. This is only a couple years after 9-11. And everybody was like, look, man, you got to sit down. That's not Phoenix. You don't even know what you're talking about. You've never even been to Phoenix. You're from New York. You spent your whole life there. Calm down. We'll be back in Vegas before you know it. But that was a bit harrowing. A bit harrowing to have some lughead telling you he's looking down and it's Phoenix and the pilots are taking you to Mexico. For what reason? No one knew. He never explained that part. Well, when I win the billion dollar Powerball, that guy is not invited on my private jet. God, no. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, we just blew through an entire segment without once getting to the New York Jets. That's how it's done. And that's how it's going to be done when I'm a billionaire. The segments, they're going to be how I want them to be. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio. How serious is Saquon Barkley about sitting out this upcoming season with no long-term deal in place? We will get to some interesting sound from Saquon. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Barkley, he did not get the deal that he wanted from his team, the New York Giants. Monday's deadline at 4 p.m., it came and went without Barkley getting any sort of extension. He will end up playing under the franchise tag this season for the Giants if he, in fact, plays. But he is considering holding out and not showing up. Now, he was on the Money Matters podcast, Joe, before Monday's deadline and so this was recorded in advance of Monday's deadline we now know though that he did not get his deal here is Saquon Barkley the Giants running back this is my leverage my leverage is I can say to the Giants I can say to my teammates and be like you want me to show you my work you want to show you how much how valuable I am to the team I won't show up I won't play it down and that's a that's a that's a that's a play I can use do I anybody knows me no, that's not something I want to do. But like, it's something that has it something that crossed my mind. It's like I has never, to. I never thought I would ever do that. But like now, I'm at a point where it's like, Jesus, like I, I might have to take it to this level. So Barkley considering apparently taking it to that level. We don't know where he stands now that the actual deadline has come and gone. But those were some pretty strong words, Joe. They were indeed. But what's he going to do about it? What's he going to do? He, he's jammed up. This is the way the CBA works. He can decide that, you know what? I'm going to stick it to this team. I'm going to let them know that I'm not going to show up and they're going to see how much they miss me. And then as a result, what? They can't give him a new deal. And the thing is, he needs six or more regular season games in order to get an accrued season. An accrued season counts time towards your standing in the NFL. Like, when you're on the second year of your deal, you're still a rookie, right? You're on the rookie deal, but you get your way up to unrestricted free agent, things of that nature. They can just pop him with the franchise tag again. Like, if he doesn't have six games on the roster in some capacity, whether it's the IR list, uh, physically unable to perform, the active list, or the inactive list, if he doesn't register six of those games, he does not get an accrued season, and everything just starts over next year as if he never played this season, as if this season never existed, and he's right back to square one. So it, it, it sucks to be in his situation, and I think we can all empathize with the fact that, yeah, he's probably deserving of a long-term deal that is commiserate with what he's given that team, what he's provided and what he means to them. But the Giants are holding all the cards here, all of them. I mean, it sucks, but 
I think we do need to keep it in context that sucking in the world that Saquon Barkley lives in, and I understand that we're talking about worth overall and worth to a team, but sucking in that world means making $10.1 million this season, right? Yes, that's so a good So sucking point. in Saquon's world doesn't suck compared to the rest of us because I am hearing this narrative all across our network. Like it's so like this really, really, really sad state of affairs for the running back. And I get it. It is when we compare it to other positions in the NFL, and it's got to be incredibly frustrating if you play that position, but we didn't wake up and get here overnight. You and I discussed this yesterday when we discussed where we're at with that running back situation and where we're at in terms of salaries. There were teams, multiple teams that handed out monster deals to several running backs and got burned by those deals. And then the talent pool has shown that you can get running backs out of the draft. You don't even have to draft them in the first round. So you can get running backs on cheaper rookie deals and you can end up getting the production that you need in order to be a championship winning team. That is how we got to where we are, is that that position has become somewhat rotational. I won't say it's indispensable. It's rotational where you rotate these guys in and out every five years. And you're able to do that because they come off of a rookie deal. And then if you want to keep them longer than that, you franchise them. And like you just said, you might franchise them again. And then at that point, we tend to find out that their bodies are breaking down and that they're on the back end of their careers, even though they are only at that point in still their 20s. That's just how it goes at the running back position. It's not really the fault of anybody. It's how it has gone so far. Now, the only way I see this changing is with the talent pool changing. And I think that happens over time, but I think it takes a long time for the market to correct itself in that manner. In other words, right now, if you're growing up and you're about to play high school football and you're honing in on your skills and you're looking at what's happening in the NFL and you think your dream one day might be to play in that league, you probably aren't trying to play the running back position, right? Like if you're looking at the landscape of the NFL, like that's probably not the position that I'm going to zero in on with my skills and my talent if I have the ability to play any other position on the field. And so I do think eventually then you see a decline in running back talent and maybe all of a sudden the market adjusts a little bit where now we have to pay the several good guys that there are more or we have to draft them really high in the draft because we got to hit on them because they're harder to hit on. But right now they seem pretty easy to hit on, frankly. Well, there's a supply and demand issue with what you're bringing up. I see what you're saying. It's going to it's going to attract a lot of talent, maybe to wide receiver, maybe to quarterback, maybe somewhere else. But there are kids that are going to want to start. And if there's a starting job open at running back and that's the best way to get on the field, they'll take it. Just like $10 million to play running back in the NFL, still a hell of a lot better than making minimum wage doing something else. I think what is going to affect this more likely is going to be guys like Barkley suddenly developing, quote, hamstring injuries mm-hmm. and calf injuries and quad injuries and glute injuries and shoulder injuries. And essentially, I'm going to sign on the dotted line. Here you go. I signed your franchise tag. You now owe me $10 million fully guaranteed. But you know what, man? My, my, my hamstring has been acting up, and I just don't think I can get out there. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to go this week. And then week two comes along, and it's the same thing. And then week three and week four. 
and then maybe you go out and you play a couple games, but the reality is you're not motivated to go play. They're not motivated to pay you because they don't value you, so why don't you go out there then and just develop some injuries? What are they going to do? They're going to prove you're faking a hamstring injury? There's not enough evidence or medical science in the world to be able to convince anybody of that. I'm sure they can come up with some stuff, but that's where you start developing these injuries. If you're Josh Jacobs and they're running you in the ground for the Las Vegas Raiders and it's week 10 and free agency's on the horizon, shut it down. Why? Why go out and play? If they don't want to pay you, develop an injury, quote, and go ahead and sit out the rest of the season. Protect yourself and go hit the open market. I don't know if that helps the narrative surrounding running backs, though. You know, if Josh Jacobs is out here with all these injuries, all of a sudden he's injury prone, and now he's going to get a deal from another team on the back end that's so much bigger than he would have gotten with his current team. That's the problem from that perspective, although an interesting strategy that you're bringing up. I think for running backs, when you're talking about the team isn't paying you, though, they are paying you. Like, Saquon is going to get $10 million. I, again, it's hard when you talk about these things because, yes, I understand in context compared to the other positions, compared to what he means to that team, that is underpaid. All these guys in the NFL are arguably underpaid when we consider the revenue that that sport brings in. But compared to the rest of the world, $10 million seems pretty good. So it's always – it's all about – where your focus is and what perspective you're coming from. We're going to come from the perspective coming up soon of Draymond Green and Jordan Poole's mess. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh hanging out with you here on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Lots of reaction to my top five cakes that I released exclusively on Twitter at Amber W Sports. That's how you find it. <laughs> at Joe Fortenbaugh. That's how you find him. I didn't post it on threads. Okay. I'm not really doing threads yet. Got my screen name over there on threads. That's about it. So if you're interested in top five cakes, you can go. A lot of haters out here in this world. That's what I'm learning from my top five cakes list. But right now, we're going to try to earn you not cake money. Let's do a little pizza money. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Open championship starts tomorrow at Royal Liverpool. And it starts early in the morning. So you're going to have to get these bets in earlier than normal. This is a four-round matchup play between two golfers. So I'm just betting on one golfer to do better than another golfer. That's it. My golfer, Corey Connors, minus 120 over Ryan Fox. Connors has been playing very well as of late. Top 20 in five of his last seven starts. The last two times he's played in the Open Championship, he's finished in the top 30. 
He's 11th on tour in strokes gained approaching the green, which is a very important metric for this course, this event. Now, Ryan Fox has a very different profile when it comes to the Open Championship. He's made six starts in this event. He's missed the cut twice. He's only got one finish inside the top 35. So for a four-round matchup play at the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool, we're going to go Corey Connors, minus 120 over Ryan Fox. The Washington Wizards have agreed to send Chris Paul to the Golden State Warriors for Jordan Poole. I think, I think, I think at all times you just want to be somewhere uh, where you can compete for a championship and, and definitely be with a team uh, where you appreciate it. I think this is a right move for the Warriors, and I would love to see Chris Paul alongside uh, Steph Curry. Well, I would say Draymond Green and Jordan Poole are enemies. At this point, we probably already knew that from that punch that we got before the season this past season when Draymond punched Jordan Poole in the face at practice. And they are no longer teammates, but everybody is still talking about that punch, including Draymond Green. Draymond Green, the Warriors forward, was on the Pat Bev podcast. Here's what he said. I don't just hit people. Dialogue, of course, happens over time. And... You you usually ain't just triggered by something like that fast, you know, right. to that degree. You know what I'm saying? Like this is a team. You know what I'm saying? Like, ain't nobody on my team triggering me. You know, in a in an instant. You know, we know stuff that you don't say amongst men. You know what I'm saying? We we you know we know you know things that you have to stand on. So there you have it. He's saying. Essentially, it wasn't just one comment. It was a series of things over time that built that tension between Draymond and Jordan Poole and resulted in Draymond taking it out on Jordan Poole's face, Joe. I mean, I I covered Draymond for a few years when I was in the Bay Area. Draymond's going to be Draymond. He's never going to hold back. If he's got something to say, he's going to say it. You know, it's part of what makes him an eclectic personality. It's part of what makes him so interesting. It's also part of what makes him, you know, somewhat controversial at times. So to be speaking on this, you know, it shouldn't come as much of a surprise to anyone that's followed his career to know that he's going to be outspoken and he's going to speak his mind and he's going to let you know exactly, you know, how he feels and what he thinks. I, I think at this point, you know, maybe just not talk about this. You know, it was a bad look. It obviously affected the team. Be the bigger man. You already knocked him out. Like, what, what more needs to be done? You need to shovel more dirt on this kid. You won. You won. He got traded out. He's in Washington. You got your new deal. You got to stay. Like, what more needs to be said or done in this situation before you get your closure, right? Like, that to me, with him laying that out there, that to me comes across as a guy who wants to make sure, like, hey, hold on a second, people. You don't have the full story. Here's what really went down. We know what went down. You went up and you sucker punched the guy. Like, we all saw it. You've been in the league 11 years. You're 33 years old. You're a multi-time champion. Defensive player of the year. You made a ton of money. Like, put it behind you, dude. Just put it behind you and move on. You already won everything. The organization picked you over him. Just let it go. I'm surprised it's still a thing for him, to be honest with you. Well, it's still a thing because... Draymond Green is still making it a thing. The reason this punch is still being talked about 
essentially a calendar year later is because Draymond Green is still the one out here talking about it. Let's be clear about that. Draymond seems to be enjoying it. He seems to be reveling in it. And all of that adds to my frustration of, like you said, him winning from this situation because there is no justifying it to me. I don't care what Jordan Poole said to you over time. I don't care how many comments it was. Anyway, you cut it. You punched the dude in the face at practice in front of everybody in front of a camera. And we all saw it. It was the punch heard around the world. It tanks your entire season the following season. Let's be real about that. We are talking about a player in Jordan Poole who was pivotal in helping the Warriors win a championship. It's why the Warriors paid Jordan Poole the way that they did. And then Jordan Poole looked like a different player this past season. And how much of that had to do with Draymond? Probably a lot. And how much of that had to do with that moment? Probably a lot. That wasn't a positive thing for his team. He didn't win in that regard. Draymond might have won in terms of he's the one there and he's the one who just got paid this season to stay there. So he might feel like he won for his bank account, but he didn't win in the actual win-loss column here. The Warriors didn't do anything here this season. The Warriors had a terrible showing against the Lakers in the postseason. Jordan Poole was a shell of himself this season, and it probably all stems back to that tension that was created there with Draymond so ultimately Draymond should be ashamed of this because it harmed them in the long run it harmed the Warriors it harmed what they were able to get done this season and yet he's out here boasting about it he's out here reveling in it he seems like he's very proud of the fact that he punched Jordan Poole in the face Jordan Poole's on social media in response saying talk of the topic find you a hobby he's quoting lyrics and I gotta be honest Jordan Poole makes a lot of sense here. Like, find yourself a hobby, Draymond. Why are you out here spending so much time on this? Why are you out here still talking about it? So we might act like Draymond won this fight, so to speak. And, of course, it looked like he won it on the video. But I feel like Jordan Poole's living in Draymond's head. Well, with, with Draymond, I think he knows how bad it makes him look. Because it's, it's, there's no one who saw that and was like, yeah, it's, He's in the right. I mean, there's so many. It does whatever was said, whatever message he's trying to get across as to why that led to that problem. I mean, pools what compared to you? Like, you're supposed to be one of the the the, the big three, man. Like you've been there forever from the start of the dynasty. Like you're supposed to be one of the leaders. You're one of the faces of the franchise. You're one of the highest paid players. You're one of the most popular people in the Bay. Who's he? Like he's a role player. And he was looking like he could be a good role player and things fell apart. So be it. But I, I don't know why it's, it, it just feels like he's trying to get this message out that, you know, it's not as bad as it looks. Maybe I'm not that bad of a guy. For those of you who think that obviously there's probably a lot of war awards taking place behind the scenes. There's probably a lot of people that still ask him about it because it was a very big story, but the warriors were absolute garbage on the road this season. They were one of the worst road teams in the NBA. Mm -hmm. I think it was like the Spurs, the Pistons, and the Hornets were the only teams that had fewer road wins than the Warriors. And I, ha I find it hard to believe that those two things aren't correlated. Because when you're on the road, you don't have to worry about family. You don't have to worry about all the stuff that goes on at home. It's just you and the team. Mm -hmm. That's when the camaraderie is supposed to be built. And it doesn't feel like that team had a whole lot of camaraderie. And it feels like that may have been a big reason why. And that may have been... Largely Draymond Green's fault, frankly. But Pat Bev did ask him about it, I guess, in fairness to Draymond. I would just say at this point, Draymond could find a way to brush off the question far better than he does. But he wasn't holding any punches back on this podcast, on the Pat Bev podcast. He also discussed 
how he doesn't like Chris Paul, who, by the way, is now his teammate. It's not sugarcoating what what has happened all these years. This real life, man. Like people get it twisted. Like, oh man, like you, you're in character when you're. No, this is real life. Wow. We live in when we playing in these games, and so like to to just go front and act like all of those things was fake. Like I've publicly said I didn't like Chris before. Like I'm just not gonna be like, oh man, that changed. Now he's my teammate. No, I look forward to talking amongst men. I look forward to working with another adult. You know, I've, we've had, I've had my fair share of days of like not working with adults right. and people who don't, don't move like adults. Right. So I'm looking forward to going to work with an adult. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't totally agree with Draymond that, that it's not a character. Like I get it's real life. I get he's actually out there doing things, but also Draymond Green has become a bit of a character. He just has. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's, he's popular for it. And that's why post, basketball he's going to have a very lucrative and very successful career waiting for him because he has extraordinarily high basketball IQ he's one of the smartest players in the game so his ability to break down the game to analyze the game to discuss the game that carries value in its own right but he's also very outspoken and he's got a lot to say and he's not going to pull any punches and he's entertaining you know it's always it was always funny to me that he and Charles Barkley were going back and forth so often with the war of words when he's kind of like the modern-day Charles Barkley, mm-hmm. right? I know their games are different, but he reminds me of Barkley. Just the outspokenness, a bit undersized compared to the guys he's trying to do battle with down in the trenches, but just the heart, the ferocity, the intensity, all that stuff. He's going to be the next guy to step into that seat and entertain people in a certain way, kind of like how Charles has done for all these years. He's a heel, and he embraces it. And I do think a lot <laughs> of it's character of for Draymond. And I do think that he will cultivate it into an entire career post-basketball, which is why I think that he works on that character and that he embraces the role as the heel. I, I, Charles Barkley, to me, comes across a lot more likable and a lot funnier. But at the same time, that might just be because right now we're in the throes of Draymond's career. So it might look a little bit different than it looks on the back end when he's in broadcasting and he's taking on a, a more lovable role than he is right now. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio, it is your turn to chime in. We want to open up the phone lines to you. Triple eight, say ESPN. Bring us your hottest take. What do you think of what Draymond said? Anything else that you've got on your mind? 888-729-3776. We'll play some caller roulette next. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. We're going to take your phone calls in just a moment. We are opening up the phone lines to you. Triple eight, say ESPN. We love when you join the conversation. 888-729-3776. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Before we get to your phone calls, though, Joe's got a little bit more advice. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Open championship at Royal Liverpool starts tomorrow. Final pizza money of the evening is a first-round matchup bet. Hideki Matsuyama minus 120 over Jason Day, which means for tomorrow's first round, I'm betting Matsuyama plays better, scores lower than Jason Day. That's it. It's the first round. It's all that matters. Mostly, this is a fade, meaning I'm betting against Jason Day. He won the Byron Nelson back in May. After that, he missed the cut in three straight events. Then he finished 45th at the Travelers about a month ago, and we haven't seen him since. Maybe he's gotten his game back together. I'm betting he hasn't. 
He's missed the cut in his last two open championship starts as well. Now, Matsuyama isn't being priced very favorably in this event. It's because he hasn't done very well with his driver this season. But you don't need to be great with the driver at Royal Liverpool. You can leave it in the bag and play more conservative because they have so much out-of-bounds space on this course. Just ask Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy. I believe the years were 2006 and 2014, respectively. When they won at Royal Liverpool, they kept the driver in the bag for large portions of the tournament. Final pizza money of the night, Hideki Matsuyama, minus 120 over Jason Day. First round matchup tomorrow. 13 black odds, no winner. Spin the wheel, make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play. Call a roulette with Joe and Amber. Matt, Matt is calling us from Richmond. Hey, Matt, thanks for the call for Joe and Amber. Go ahead. Hey, guys. It's great to hear y'all, and I love listening to you. Thank um, you. I was just calling about Draymond, and, I mean, it's it's one thing. I mean, you see, like, in football practices between linemen, they fight all the time, but they're in pads, and it's not a big deal because it just happens at the end of, of plays. But what Draymond did was totally ridiculous. And, I mean, it was just – it was a sucker punch and it was crazy. I mean, and they they didn't suspend him long enough for my taste. And, I mean, he just showed that he's a punk. And especially hitting a guy that's a lot smaller than he is, it just it wasn't right. Thanks so much for the call there, Matt, uh, and for the kind words. I do tend to agree with Matt's point there because when we think about fighting in sports surrounding practice, it does happen all the time in the NFL. From what I understand, NFL players will tell you, hey, it's commonplace, happens all the time, particularly during cha- training camp, particularly when you're getting ready for the season. It's long days, it's hot, you're out there, you're frustrated, it's a very physical sport, but like Matt said, you're often in pads, it's the environment, and it is the way that that sport goes. The NBA is a very different animal in that regard, and this didn't seem like one of those situations. It wasn't like just some little scuffle amongst teammates that everybody's used to seeing and everybody gets past. It feels like they weren't able to get past this altercation and it quite literally ended up costing them, not just throughout the regular season, not just on the road in terms of that abysmal record, but also in terms of postseason success. If they're standing face to face and they're shoving and pushing and then a punch is thrown and a guy gets hit, that's one thing. That's a fight. This was a sucker punch. This was one guy walking up to another and punching him without him knowing it was coming. It's a sucker punch. Classic sucker punch. The biggest problem for everyone involved in this is that that video made it public. Because if no one ever saw what it looked like, the situation's different. We hear there was a fight. Stories are mixed. You can't confirm anything. But once you get a look at it, it looks horrible for Draymond Green. End of story. It looks horrible for Jordan Poole, too, but for a completely different reason. And it really doesn't help that his father's on Twitter trying to fight his battles for him right now. Like, at some point... This thing needs to end for all parties involved because no one looks good. Yeah, I didn't even mention that Jordan Poole's dad had tweeted out uh, some words against Draymond Green there. It didn't look good for anybody involved. It also didn't look good for the Golden State Warriors because that caller said Draymond was suspended. I don't even, was he even suspended? I don't remember him being suspended for that the whole thing. Wasn't that the whole him. thing? Yeah, because yeah. the NBA couldn't. Wasn't that the whole thing? Like the NBA wasn't involved because technically it was 
during training camp or something. Like there was some parameter where it didn't fall under the guise of the NBA, so they weren't going to suspend him. And it was some Bobo suspension from the Warriors, right, that came down for Draymond. I don't know. He basically got off very easy for that whole situation with Jordan Poole, but it looked very, very bad for everybody involved. And Draymond got paid, and Jordan Poole is now on the Washington Wizards. Let's spin the wheel. Sean. Sean is in Minnesota. Hey, Sean, thanks for the call. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Hey, Joe and Amber. Clemson, my six-year-old boxer dog, and I are huge fans of you guys. We love the show. And we were wondering what you thought of if they should have traded Carl Anthony Towns and kept Rudy Gobert. And then lastly, we wonder what you thought about D'Angelo Russell if we should have traded him and kept Mike Connolly. What do you guys think? Thanks a lot. Okay, well, you talking have about to Minnesota, keep, huh? Yes, he's, it's a Minnesota Timberwolves fan uh, looking for help, looking for ways to get out of the current situation. Obviously, keeping Rudy Gobert because I don't think you're trading away that contract. Uh, so first and foremost, if you're on the phone with Danny Ainge, probably don't go through with the deal. Like that's rule number one, because Danny Ainge seems to have a pretty good idea of how to build a team. So if he's trying to move Rudy Gobert to you and your team's giving up four or five first round picks, that might be phase number one. Number two, you've got Anthony Edwards, who is awesome. So you're going to be building around him moving forward. That's got to be the key. What is the optimal way to build around Anthony Edwards so that you can compete at a high level and not turn into a Dame Lillard Portland type situation? Because Edwards at some point, he might want out. He's good enough to be able to ask for that sometime in the near future and get a lot of teams excited. So Carl Anthony Towns has never really struck me as that guy, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean he can't be a useful piece if utilized properly. A lot of people think that he can't be that guy. Some of that has to do with his personality as well. Quickly... Chris, the heck with the wheel. Chris is in Irvin. Hey, Chris, go ahead. You got 30 seconds. Thank you. We all know Dr- Draymond is a bully. He won't mess with no brothers, 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, he picks on people smaller than him and who knows they won't retaliate. These guys are raised by their moms. Most of them are soft, and they don't know how to protect themselves. And where were the other teammates to protect Jordan Poole? It was interesting that nobody else – showed up for Jordan Poole, but I think it was Nobody because it was, did anything. it was, but it was also like, it was a sucker punch, you know, like, so it was so out of, I think everybody's also caught off guard and it's Draymond Green. He is the man when it comes to that team. Unfortunately for Jordan Poole, that's the way that it goes, but you're right. Nobody did anything, but I think some of that was a level of surprise. We're still talking about it. Are they still going to be talking about it on Freddie and Fitzsimmons? That's next. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from seven to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.